Good morning, True North. So, it's a privilege to be with you this morning. I am so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. I am so sorry that Pastor Philip is under the weather and his family and, you know, kids going back to school, stuff that comes home with them and going through that process. And so, uh, uh, like Mike said, my name is uh, Tom Anderson. I am a North American Mission Board uh, missionary for church planting. Um, the goal here is that I come to work with First Baptist. You see uh, Pastor Moats just uh, made his way into the auditorium here and that I begin to work out this process of finding out more about church planting and God's call on my life. And so um, I want to take you on a little journey today that takes you along this process and Acts 1.8. Um, is very special to my wife, Sherry Lynn, who is sitting over here on my left. Um, so it's very important to us to be able to convey a good message about church planting for you. And I just want to thank the Lord for giving us this opportunity to be with you today. And we pray that uh, Pastor Philip and his family recover quickly and return back to normal life and uh, begin to be here and leading you and we know that you're in a moment of transition a time period which you have change in your life in your church and so we're going to dive into that and we're going to dive into my call to ministry to be a pastor and so um in doing this i began to find out what were you, what's your service like so of course you know i'm here at first baptist but usually i'm downstairs in a bible study and and then in service here and or i'm traveling somewhere to meet another church and uh, so i went online and i tell you aren't we blessed to have the technology that we have today to be able to put sermons out there so Thank you for joining us, and if you're online and you're uh, visiting online, thank you for joining online, um, but we are blessed to have that, so what I did in preparation for today is I went on and I did a little research, and so I was trying to find out, so what's your messages like, what's Pastor Philip uh, preaching on, and, and so I found out that you're in the book of Mark, and I was really excited about Mark because I just finished the book of Mark in my personal study. And so one of the things that kind of jumped off of uh, when Pastor Philip was given that message and I was watching it was a new birth. And so he talked about Christ going to be baptized. So he met John the Baptist, right? And uh, he was talking about Christ being baptized. And so the thing, the term that the Spirit gave me when I was reviewing this was a new birth. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Um, but you know, uh, this new birth or this adjustment or this change that we have in our lives, it comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, so um, one of the uh, things that I heard Mike over here when he got up and he kind of told you a little bit about me and he, and he welcomed you to the service and gave some announcements, one of the things that he said was, it's a privilege. And so 
Those, that, those words really resonate with me. We have a guy that we know that's in Birmingham, Alabama, and he is all about church planning. He loves church planning. Okay, so on the stages at his churches, as you walk up the steps over here or over there, it says on the step, it's a privilege. And so it's a privilege to be with you. It's a privilege to bring our story and this message to you. And if you would just, I feel compelled to pray for Philip and for uh, me as I uh, deliver this message for you. So if you would join me in prayer real fast here. Father God, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. It is a privilege, Lord. We thank you for uh, the call on our lives, the call to serve you, and to be one in accord with each other, to be in unison with each other, to be in unity, Father God. May you uh, speak through me as uh, we go through this uh, passage that you gave me when you called me to uh, church planting. And would you uh, help it resonate within the hearts and the minds of the uh, families that are here. Lord, we thank you for True North and we thank you for the members of First Baptist that have joined us in this service to uh, encourage me and uh, provide uh, prayers and strengthen me in their attendance, Lord. We thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you do and all that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So one of the things I said that leapt off of that message was the idea of new birth. And so um, I want to go to uh, John uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through 6. You can see it on the screen. And as I read it, it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. Okay, Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is this Pharisee. He's this religious ruler in the community, okay? Um, and the previous verses say that Nicodemus uh, came to Jesus at night, okay? He came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus to tell him that he knew he was the Messiah. Why did he come at night? Okay, sometimes there's a saying that says nothing good happens at night or nothing good happens after midnight, or, right? Okay, so, I mean, we can't really use dark here in Alaska, all right? This isn't our first rodeo in Alaska. We were stationed here several times, or a couple of times, and so we know, understand the darkness in Alaska, but he came to him at night. So he came to him under the covering of the night to do something secret, to not let the other Pharisees know that Nicodemus has figured out that this is the Messiah, okay? And so we pick up in verse 4. How can an old man, this is Nicodemus' plea, like, what, what do you mean? This is, you're, what are you talking about? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit can give birth to the spiritual life, okay? And so, as we were talking about this new birth, as I was listening and I was hearing the Spirit talk to me about new birth, I was thinking about the uh, baptism of Jesus. And so, Pastor Philip led you through that, those verses last week in Mark, and when he described the baptism of Jesus, he said, you go out into this water, 
and you get up into your chest up in this water, all right? So you're deep. You're in the deep. And then all of a sudden, you get dipped into the water. So I can see John, you know, his scruffy beard and dipping Jesus and Jesus' beard. And then Philip paints this picture last week of Jesus coming out of the water. So when he dips him down and the legs come up and he pulls him back and the legs go back down and he stands, the water rushing down his face, off of his beard, you know, the gasping <gasps> for air, yes, okay, the excitement, the enthusiasm. And I'm looking back in my life when I was baptized in, in a creek in the middle of April in Oregon, and I'm freezing, okay? It was so cold. Um, but I'm thinking about that and the water dripping down the face. And then let's uh, read Matthew 3.16. Let's move over here and read what uh, Matthew accounts here. And it says... Uh, Jesus came out of the water, yeah, it's on the screen there, Uh, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Okay, so the unique thing here is, here's the water, Jesus is dipped, right? So John takes the Messiah and plunges him into the water and then he brings him back up. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord, the heavens open up, and the Spirit of the Lord come down and land and resonate on Jesus. Okay? This is a remarkable event because this is the start of the ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So his life has been now adjusted. He, he was a carpenter. He was raised. He was a child. He went through struggles in life. He had brothers and sisters, and and life was confusing, and then all of a sudden, okay, hey, baptism? And John's like, I'm not worthy, you know, but now he's been baptized. Now he, you know, I won't do too much of a bust for next week's sermon, but he goes out into the desert, and he's tempted. And so he begins his ministry. And so the Bible is full of men and women who have major adjustments in their life. Amen? So these people are called to do God's will. They're called to go out and have, you know, a personal relationship with Christ, a personal relationship with their Father in heaven. Okay? And so the ability to see what is going on with true north and you, you are a beautiful congregation. I am so excited to be with you. Um, it's so exciting to know that you're a church plant that is, I think, nine years old, Tyler? About nine years? Twelve now? Okay. So 12 years old, and now you're merging with another church at Muldoon. And so you're not only a church plant that is growing and vibrant, but now you are working together to replant another church. And so you have some DNA there that is just amazing. And as a church planter, as a pastor, I just plead with you to, I know you do your home groups, and you, you, that's kind of like the DNA of who you are, but now you have this DNA of you know, church planting, of church replanting, and just adopting another congregation. So I plead with you, don't lose that. Okay? As you move forward and this, this major adjustment in life that you have t- 
taken time and worked out and, and all these construction and projects that you've had over at Muldoon. And as that day draws closer, I plead with you to not lose that DNA, to become a, a disciple who makes disciples. I know it's been hard work to go through the process to get into Muldoon. We've been there with you. We've gone over and checked out the construction and everything. But I plead with you to be disciples who make disciples and to be a church who plants churches, okay? That's the DNA that uh, Pastor Gary and I are trying to move First Baptist back to, you know? You're, we're sitting here in the flagship of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, the first church. Obviously, this isn't the first building, but, you know. Um, I plead with you to think about that as you go into your new facility on Muldoon. In, and I'm reminded of in Acts chapter 7, there's this new preacher. Everybody remember Stephen? And so he stands up and he begins to preach. And then he's drug outside and killed. That's heart-wrenching. But the unique thing about that is all these disciples that are in this midst in Acts chapter 8, they don't go hide in a cave. They don't go hide in their house. They go to the next city and they begin to make disciples and plant churches. And so as you make this move, don't hide. Don't hide just in your home group. Don't hide in your house. Don't go to a cave. Don't go out into the wilderness. Go and begin that DNA of making disciples who make disciples. Go become a church who is known to make, be, be a church who is planting churches. Okay? Now, I have a buddy in Oregon who, uh, his way of embracing this concept is his church facility seats about 150 people. Okay? And so... With that, he says, I do not have a building project fund. I do not have a building project. I have a launching project. So each time that his church has approached that 150 mark, he goes to a leader. Hey, Mike, <laughs> I'm picking on you there for a minute, but he literally goes to a leader and says, here's 10 families, 12 families, Go plant a church. I need your seat. And so it's, it's funny to laugh about that. And I mean, could you imagine the pastor coming up to you and saying, I need your seat. Go plant a church. I mean, what, what, a, what a unique DNA that uh, pastor has. And so I am thrilled to know that guy and to be inspired by that guy and to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to come to Alaska and plant a church. So let me give you some feedback or some uh, backstory uh, about myself and my wife, Sherry Lynn. Um, I was in the Army for 22 and a half years. Do we have military members in the congregation? I believe so. Um, amen. Uh, thank you. Um, I retired about three years ago. But all the way back in 2003, the Lord put it on my heart and my wife's heart that we would be involved in ministry. And so when... That call came, we began to work in disciple and begin to go through that process as a 
contributing member to our church or our churches, as you know. I mean, we moved from station to station all around the uh, world in 22 and a half years. So, but we answered that call. And then when I retired three years ago, God called us to missions in Kenya, Africa. And so that was beautiful. It was so much fun. And then, of course, if you're tracking the timeline here, COVID hit. And so we had to come home. We got on the last flight out of Kenya, and then we came home. And so as we were working it out, and, and Kenya was working it out, we began to get ready to go to our first trip uh, during COVID into Kenya. Well, we got COVID. <laughs> we were literally packing our bags this morning, on that morning. And I brew a cup of coffee. I drink it, smell it, taste it, no problem. Next cup of coffee, not so much. I couldn't smell it. So we didn't get to go to Kenya. So we had to wait until the next trip uh, and go. And then we went. But the ministry had changed. COVID had affected the ministry. So where Sherry Lynn and I were discipling, where we were helping build wells and build buildings and churches and communities and discipling pastors and widows, and Sherry Lynn would help teach them how to bake and how to uh, sew. And we would drill wells and give them water purification units and stuff. It was a blast. But one of the things that I learned it was, that was easy. Kenya's kind of a uh, uh, covered in this great Hollywoodism, like it's great. It's so much fun to go to Kenya. But what I found out was that was God, where I would allow God to work in my life. It was the ability to say, "Yes, God, I will go. I will follow Your will for my life." And so, with that, the doors closed in Kenya, and Sherry Lynn and I were sad. Uh, we miss some of our friends in Kenya. But with every door that he closes, an adjustment makes. Just like your adjustment from here or from a church plant into a new facility. And so, with that, um, we came back from Kenya. And our daughter and her family were living in our house. And they said, you know, after college, everything doesn't make sense to be here in Pennsylvania. That's where I retired out of. And so... Um, they said, we're going to move to Florida. And we said, we support you. We, it doesn't matter. We, we support you. So we sold our house and sold our car. Uh, we had a camper van. And so we took advantage of having this camper van and our newfound freedom. And we said, Lord, we're going to study, we're going to fast, and we're going to pray as we get in our camper van and we drive around the United States. And so as we did that, we, we like to say we hiked, biked, paddled, prayed, fasted, and studied our way around the country. And so we enjoyed ourselves visiting a mul multiple national parks, multiple state parks, visiting friends and pastors that we had known in the past. And uh, one of these uh, pastors is uh, pastors the church that my grandmother used to go to. And so she was a member at uh, First Baptist Church of Florence, Oregon. And so... Uh, the pastor there is the NAM representative for replant specialist. He is actually over Alaska. And so as we were talking with him, uh, and we get ready to leave, and my hand is on the door, he says, if you ever consider planting churches, let me know. And I laughed. 
<laughs> it's okay to laugh, you know. I mean, I laughed. And I said, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. And I walked out the door and I went about my business. And so we're driving around the country um, and we begin to get back to Florida. And as we're pulling closer and closer to Florida, I realize that um, God's calling us to sell our van and take a 10 more days of sabbatical. So if you're tracking, we now sell our van. You know, the camper vans are pretty cool, you know, and uh, a hip new thing to do. And I tell you, I, uh, had, we had no problem selling that thing. And so if you're tracking with me, we're now homeless and vehicleless, okay? So that's, that's, that's reality right there. It's, it, it gets so real when you surrender everything, right? Um, but... During this sabbatical, we're praying. We have this list of stuff that we're asking God and seeking God for. And so we get the, through this list, and I, I buy this little dry erase board, and we prop it up in the Airbnb, and we're, every time we're walking by it or we're sitting together, we're praying over this list. And so it's really amazing. And the, and the Lord revealed to me that we are going to be disciples who make disciples and plant churches. And I'm like, that's great. Okay, what does it mean? <laughs> so what does it mean? So the Lord gave me Acts 1.8. And if we could uh, bring up that scripture now. Um, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I'm like, cool. I've read that before. Where? And so the where question was huge. And so as, as you know, 22 and a half years in the military and 30 years of marriage, uh, next month, 30 years of marriage, we've been all over the place. So I am literally writing down every location to include my three deployments. And I'm sure my wife was uh, skeptical a little bit about those three deployment locations, right? <laughs> and so... I fill these out and I write them and, and the Spirit tells me to pray Acts 1-8 over them. So I begin to pray Acts 1-8 over all of these locations and I keep crossing them out, crossing them out and I get to the bottom and, and I literally feel defeated at the bottom. And the Spirit says, look up. And so I begin to look up and as I look, bring my head up, there, Alaska sits not crossed out. And so I prayed Acts 1-8 over Alaska. And it worked. And the Spirit led me through this process that says, you'll go to Alaska and you'll be my witness. And I'm like, that's a big deal. And so the next question comes to mind, and I know that uh, maybe you've had this question too, whether it comes to ministry or circumstances in life, right? Acts 1-8 tells me to be his witness, but I say, me? Why me? Okay, so anybody ever said, why me? Of course, we've, we've probably all said, why me? And so when it comes to that point of why me, he says, because you're mine. Because you're willing. And so Sherry Lynn and I like to describe it that our heads and our hearts and our hands were ready. We were willing and able and capable to follow his lead. And so 
That began 30, 31 years ago, I think, when I accepted Christ through salvation of Jesus Christ. See, I was, a, I was a train wreck. I wasn't raised in the church. My grandmother was the only believer in our entire family. Um, and, and me, because I loved my grandmother and she loved making chocolate cake, I loved going to church. And so this past uh, month when Pastor Gary and I were down in Oregon, we took a picture of the, me sitting in my window where I would sit with my grandmother. And so uh, she had some influence on me, but it wasn't until I accepted Christ that I made that big adjustment. And we can all say that that's a big adjustment, being worldly, yielding to the flesh, and then coming to Christ. And so I encourage you that if you're here today and you have not accepted Christ, there's no time like the present, but I can tell you it's going to be hard, and it's going to be work, but it is going to pay off. And so if I had not taken that first adjustment to salvation, then I would not have the opportunity to be here today to preach this message, to encourage True North as a congregation, as a body of believers, to be a church who plants churches, not just disciples who make disciples, but let's plant churches. Let's change Alaska with the radical love of Jesus Christ. So, Let's stop giving into the flesh and start giving into his word. In Ephesians 2.10, um, it says, oh, let me give you a little backstory. You can take a look at the verse while it's up there. But when I said, why me? That's exactly what happened. He gave me this verse during the sabbatical. Little did I know that the summer camp for kids that my wife and I were going to serve at, this was their verse. Little did I know that VBS, this was going to be the verse. And so this verse has been threaded through since our sabbatical time period all the way up until today when I get to deliver this message that the Lord gave me. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 reads, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of times so that we should walk in them. So he did this all for me ahead of time. He just wanted me to recognize it. He just wanted me to submit to it. He wanted me to let go. And so homeless, vehicleless, sitting in an Airbnb in the Gulf Coast of Florida saying, what now, Lord? We're no longer missionaries in Africa. What now? You're going to be a church planter. And I'm like, <laughs> I laughed at Ron. Oh, no. <laughs> so that why me as we move as a congregation, True North, to Muldoon, that why me? Because it's part of your DNA, whether you know it or not. It truly is part of True North's DNA, being a church plant, 12 years old, and being a church replant with Muldoon. And so hopefully I can, you know, compel you, and the Spirit can compel you to continue that DNA, to get on this ability to transform the last frontier with the radical love of Jesus Christ. And so, um, the past 30 years, he's been equipping me for this. And I think about that, and so I know that there have been pastors out there that have uh, literally accepted Christ, and the next year they're preaching. 
right? But uh, our call to ministry was unique because it was clear that it would be post-army. And we were excited about that, but confused about that at the same time. But when we went to Africa in God's will for our life, it was different than now. Now, God's will, meeting God where he's working, is amazing. And so, if you have the opportunity, I strongly encourage you, set down everything that you can and follow him in his will, not yours. And so, um, as part of the family, I hope that you, you can listen to this. It's, I'm not a big fan of the message, uh, transla- or not translation, but um, what am I trying to say here? Um, the uh, paraphrase in the message. I'm not a big fan, but I love Romans 12, 1 through 2. So if, I think that's on the slides too, if it can come up. Um, I'm going to read this. But I think it's really important and it's a great goal. So here's what I want to do. It says, God helping you so you have help, right? Take, every, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out, from your heart out. You'll be changed. Readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. Quickly responding to his call. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level, of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen? That's an amazing call to action, to allow God into your lives, every aspect of your life. I I watched the uh, movie Facing the Giants probably way too much, to be quite honest. And I remember in there, one of the players on the football team, he says to the coach, so you think God cares about football? And the coach says, God cares about you, so yes, he cares about football. And so God cares about your work. He cares about your everyday walking around life so much that he wants to be involved in every aspect of it. And so I find that inspiring. I hope you do as well. And my question is, are you ready to let him do that? And so as we uh, move into back into Acts 1.8, I want to focus in on the second half of that and tell you a little bit about that verse and how it spoke to me as we were um, praying and fasting in the uh, Gulf Coast. One second here. So I want to tell you a little bit about how that spoke to me in Acts 1-8. It's the second half of the verse And it reads, and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so it's really important because as I prayed over Alaska, the Lord led me to understand this verse and pray it personally. So with that, we know that the uh, Great Commission says, 
a few action words, right? It says to go and make disciples. And so we have some action words in the Great Commission. I think we could bring up that next verse um, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. <clears throat> and so the action words that I want to bring to our attention is go, make, baptize, and teach. And then when we drop over to Acts 1.8, it says witness. And so we have a call to action. Okay? And so as we identify those words, I believe God is calling all of us to obedience, to follow his commands, and to begin the work that he has called us to join him in. And so will you help? Will you... Help transform the last frontier with the radical love of Jesus? I pray that you do, and I know that you have the ability as a great congregation, as a beautiful people of God. And so, if we can personalize Acts 1 8, that second half of Acts 1 8, now we'll go ahead and uh, talk about how I prayed that, okay? So, if uh, as we wrap up this uh, message, if you all would stand with me. And we could read this together. You're going to find some uniqueness in this uh, personalization of Acts 1-8. I'm telling you, um, it, this is, personalizing Scripture is something that changed the course of my Christian walk. Um, I had a pastor once, uh, Dr. Gary French, over in Belgium when I was stationed in Belgium. He literally, it, I was sitting there and it literally felt like he walked up to me and said, Hey, Tom and stepped on my toes, and then turned away. And I was like, man, that was a powerful message. And so today, I'm called to personalize this scripture. And so if you'll read along with me, if we can bring up that first slide of Acts 1-8, uh, second half, it's going to say, your name. Okay? So your name is your name. My name is Tom, your name is... Okay, so... And Tom... So if you'd read along with me and say your name, Tom will be Jesus' witness telling people about him everywhere in Anchorage. Okay, next slide. Throughout Alaska, and next slide, in North America and to the ends of the earth. Church, are we called to action? We are, amen? And so if you would... Not only embrace your DNA as a church plant, as a church replant, as you move into this great new facility God has ultimately blessed you with over on Muldoon and join us in the process of reaching the last frontier with the radical love of Jesus Christ. I believe he has a blessing for each and every one of us out there for this. And so if you would join me as we close in prayer. And Tyler, if you would come and close us with worship, we'd be grateful. So let us pray. Father God, you are absolutely amazing. I am so thankful for the work that you've done in my life. Lord, I am so thankful for the number of believers here. And Lord, we pray for anyone that has not received you as, your, as their Lord and Savior and that today might be the day that they may grab one of these uh, congregational members, Father, and uh, begin to uh, 
seek your will for their lives. Father, as you uh, send us out from here on this day, on your day, may we uh, glorify you, may we edify the body, and may we reach the lost. Lord, lead us into a way that would help do your work and fulfill your call and that would transform this great state and our great nation and our great earth for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.